Joining us right now on the program, he is one of the hosts, of course, of Jake and Ben. He's the Ben portion of it every day, 10 to noon right here on the KSL Sports Zone. They're going to be at the RV show, I think, tomorrow. Ben, uh, we'll warm the seats up for you, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm excited to go out there. <laughs> uh, all right, let's jump in because I'm trying to uh, – I was listening to you guys do the uh, the pre-half and post last night, and not a lot of positives for this team uh, over the last few games, but I, I do think that there is – just this idea of, hey, this team's trying to find themselves. I get the feeling that they're not going to find themselves uh, anytime soon, at least until after the All-Star break. Uh, well, you know, the truth is I'm not sure this is a team that's designed to find itself. Now, they, right. they will improve, and I think Will Hardy will, you know, figure out what rotations he wants to use to make sure that every game is not a 15-point blowout for the final 12 minutes where you're basically, you know, punting on a – fourth of the game and not getting valuable reps for your young players, which is what this whole, you know, last week has been designed to do. At least a big part of it, I think, is to get Taylor Hendricks and get Keontae George and possibly even Bryce Sensabaugh before the end of the season, some opportunities to play in high leverage games. But you don't really do that when you're trailing by 15, 18, 20 going into the fourth quarter. And, you know, when you're giving up 138 points or 129 points like they have over the last three nights, it's just, you, you got to be more competitive for the, to, to do that. So I think I think you will still still see some improvement, even if uh, it doesn't mean a lot of wins. Ben, I just uh, read what you wrote today and posted on KSLSports.com. Those of you listening can go do the same. Uh, previewing tonight's game and looking back on what happened last night, and the first thing you get into was the defense. Just how bad was the defense last night? Yeah, they just they, they don't have the ability to get stops, and really over the last 13 games, it's pretty shocking how bad the defense has been. And some of it is shot-making, which you will run into for opposing teams. But, you know, when you get to a month long, basically that started on January 18th, it has a lot to do with how you're performing and not just other teams randomly getting hot. And, and so over the last 13 games, you know, opposing teams are scoring 125.5 points per 100 possessions, the worst defensive rating in the NBA. And then to break it down, it's kind of a, maybe a more easily to consume level they're shooting 51 percent from the floor and 42 percent from three so Mm. more than half of every shot goes in and more than four out of every 10 three goes in for opponents it's just like that you're never going to win if the opponents shoot that well you're certainly not going to win at any consistent level unless you just happen to be on fire as well so that's the tough spot for the utah jazz and it's why they're four and nine in their last 13 games now I, i do think that can improve because the truth is the guys you gave up especially kelly olenic are not great defensive players uh, but that does mean that, you know, Taylor Hendricks, if he's stepping up and getting a lot of those minutes, he has to stop fouling and has to actually start, you know, helping defensively. And you have to get better improvement from the guys that are on, that are on the floor, like Lowry Markin and, and like John Collins, who have both, I think, slipped defensively uh, as of late. So those are areas where the Jazz need to improve. And just by doing that with the veterans, you can have more competitive games. So tonight, this uh, Warriors-Jazz game has become interesting. This Warriors team has been, like, it <laughs> really weird this year, obviously. They're in the news for all the wrong reasons with Draymond. Uh, of course, with the passing of, uh, of, one, of, their, of one of their assistants, uh, you know, less than a month ago, and that makeup game being tonight. I mean, just all the things that have gone on. And then being on this, like, nice little streak. Obviously, they lost last night. But this is a team that they, they can get ahead and then they relinquish that lead. That's kind of their signature, it seems like, because uh, I think they're one of the teams. I think they might have the most, but they've lost six games that they've led by 15 or more this season. That's not a very uh, Steve Kerr type of a number for this team. No, and it's something, you know, that, that is frustrating. It's usually a pretty, 
it's a pretty fatal flaw. You know, if you can't hold on to leads, which, by the way, is what the Warriors, it's how they built their dynasty. You know, games would be close in the first half. They would come out notoriously in the first six minutes of the third quarter and blitz you, and they'd be up 18, and you would quit. Well, if they blitz you in the third quarter and they're up 18 and they can't hold on to the lead, then suddenly they're not the Golden State Warriors anymore. and They've not been very good at home this season. They are 12-12 and 12 at home and 14-14 and 14 away from home. You know, it's, 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 or excuse me, 12 and 12 on the road and 14 and 14 at home. They're just, they're a middle of the road team. It doesn't really matter where they're playing. So that's not a great sign for who they are. You know, we know how talented they are. I would expect them to win tonight. I think they're going to play above 500 basketball in the second half of the season because they figured out Jonathan Kaminga and finally had to use Andrew Wiggins again, who dropped off a lot this season. You know, Clay has to give up a lot of his opportunities because he's just not the clay thompson he once was and steph can still play at an mvp level that's good enough to win you most of your games or at least more games than you lose so they will finish above 500 this season but i don't think that's a team that's going to compete for a title because of the things you mentioned when you can't hold on to leads when you don't consistently win at home when you're not unbeatable anywhere you you tend to get beaten and that's what's happened with the warriors this season well for the jazz with the moves made after the trade deadline and the recent slide it just the, the idea of making the play in at this point seems a little far-fetched. It doesn't seem like it's even in the best interest of them moving forward. And you turn your attention then to the draft, Ben. They've got that pick that could convey to the Oklahoma City Thunder if it's 11 or below, and they're right there. Uh, your thoughts on that pick, and is it to their benefit to keep that pick or convey that pick? Yeah, I think, I, I think ideally the best strategy is probably to get the pick this year have another top 10 pick, whether you want to draft somebody to the roster or use it in a trade package to really improve the roster, qualify next year for the playoffs or the play-in tournament so you convey that pick to the Oklahoma City Thunder, and then it doesn't mess with anything you're doing in 2026 when you have all these draft swap rights with the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Cleveland Cavaliers. So if one of those teams is terrible, you still have your own pick to swap because if you owe that pick to the Oklahoma City Thunder, it wouldn't matter if the Cavaliers or the Minnesota Timberwolves even ended up with the number one pick and won the lottery. You couldn't swap your pick because you don't own it. So you want to make sure that that gets paid off, that yet gets paid off either this year or next year. And because you've got 25, 26, 27 games left in the season, it already hurts. You might as well just you know, sit in this painful spot for another month and a half, two months, get the top 10 pick, and then plan on next year paying it off. I think that makes the most sense to me, even if it's not a great draft, you know, even if you, know, you, you don't think you're going to get a, a huge difference maker. I, I think it makes sense to just get that done if you can and, and see what, what opportunities present themselves this offseason, whether you really like somebody in the draft that you can draft a 10 or you can package your trade pieces to move up even higher with this top 10 piece you have, or you put it in a trade package. And look, you know, by the time the draft rolls around, Teams are going to get antsy. They're going to want to start rebuilds or they're going to want to add players. And if you had, let's say, the ninth pick, you have the 28th pick, you have the 32nd pick, and you want to throw in either a proven veteran like the Jazz have that they didn't move at the trade deadline, a John Collins or a Jordan Clarkson or a Colin Sexton or whatever, or you want to throw in another young piece, whether that is a Taylor Hendricks or whether that is a Bryce Sensabaugh, that's a pretty huge trade package to offer. So if the Jazz did want to make a move and somebody suddenly becomes available – they will have that flexibility. Ben, uh, the rookies, you know, obviously there are there are things that rookies have problems with, and there's usually a handful of them that are that are all kind of the same. 
what are those things that, that you look at and you go, ah, oh, that's a rookie mistake. Those are rookie things. And then what, what are the things that Taylor Hendricks has to work on compared to the usual rookie pitfalls? Yeah, I mean, right now he's just like – he just catches the ball and I think he panics, and so he just shoots the ball, which <laughs> is, is basically the worst thing you can do. And it, it's a little bit like, you know, we all have young kids and we've watched them all play junior jazz, and it's like they catch the ball and the first thing they do is look at the hoop and it doesn't matter where they are. They're just going right. to throw it as far as they can towards that the basket. Three, that three last night that went off the backboard, uh, I went, oh, boy, he was not ready to shoot that, but he shot it anyway. <laughs> He was just like, well, I'm supposed to do something, and it's moving so quickly, I have to do something, which, right. you know, they preach a half-second decision in the NBA, like, catch it, you either got to shoot, pass, or dribble. And so, like, I think by default, he's wide open. He's like, oh, they've, they've accidentally left me wide open without realizing it's not an accident. You know, they're, they're purposely not guarding you because they don't think you can make that shot, and he only shot one of six from downtown. So that's a good bet for opposing teams. He just needs to catch it, and because nobody's crowding him, it's not like they're going to steal the ball from him. He actually has a chance to stop look around, survey, have somebody else come and pick up the ball from him. Uh, so those are the issues for him. And then, you know, he just gotta, he's got to work hard defensively. He's got to use his physical tools to his advantage. And I think he can actually be a, an advantageous player as soon as this season. He just needs to slow down a little bit. And I, I totally get it. He's very, he hardly played this year. Everyone else is, you know, 50-plus games into the season. He's now into his, what, 16th game or something like that. He's just... He's still so raw and so young. It's just going to take a lot of reps. And look, if the Jazz had played him since game one, this is not what he would look like at game 50. He would look a lot better. But the Jazz also didn't want to be, you know, 15 and 35 at this point. They wanted to be around 500 and still kind of have some of these important games to play to see if they do want to make the play-in tournament. Uh, And I think that will actually benefit him that they're on a team that has some competitiveness to it. So it's just got to slow down for him, and it will. But the physical tools you see, uh, I mean, when the shot does go in, it's very smooth. He had a couple of shots attacking the basket that, you know, I didn't know if he had coming out of Central Florida. And then his, you know, his athletic tools of jumping up and grabbing rebounds and having the strength he already has at 19 or 20 years old is pretty impressive. Ben Anderson, you can hear him every day on Jake and Ben, 10 to noon. They'll be at the RV show tomorrow where we are today. You can also download if you or uh, sign up for if you've not done it yet. This is kind of the thing that hits your mailbox, and then you read it, and you're suddenly smarter about the Utah Jazz. It's the Jazz Notes newsletter that uh, Ben and uh, Chandler Holt and the KSL Sports team put together, and it's uh, it's really good. You got you got you got to get it. Sign up for it. Let's get it going. Ben, thanks for joining us as usual. We appreciate it, man. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, guys. We'll see you. There you go.